Hello, this is Pastor Nathaniel, and you're listening to the Edit Talk for the Itty Walk podcast. Here you'll find messages meant to edify and encourage God's people in the maturity, purity, and unity that comes from following Christ. From devotional thoughts to sermons from our Sunday morning services, my prayer is that the time you spend listening to this podcast will help you grow closer to our Lord and also lead you to loving others like He loves us. Let's get right to it. Good morning. This Saturday is Independence Day. So, I have some fun and amazing American facts for you this morning. And they're all about U.S. presidents. Here's the first. John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and James Monroe all died on the 4th of July. Adams and Jefferson, they passed away in 1826, and James Monroe passed away in 1831. Calvin Coolidge is the only president who was born on the 4th of July. Now, we're we're moving away from the 4th of July fun facts. And I just got two more that I thought were amazing that I had to share with you this morning. Harry S. Truman read every book in his local library. Man, can you imagine going down to the Wayland Free Library and reading every book? All right, this is my favorite fun and amazing fact about U.S. presidents. James Garfield could write with both hands at the same time and in different languages. Now, I worked with a lady at Heritage. She could write with both hands at the same time, and it was incredibly beautiful. But James Garfield could do it in different languages. That's fascinating, isn't it? Pretty amazing stuff, huh? You kind of notice a theme with the word amazing this morning. You've heard of amazing grace, but have you heard of amazing faith? We read about amazing faith in Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 7. And we'll read verses 1 through 10 together. Jesus has just finished up with the Sermon on the Mount. And when he'd finished saying all these things, the teachings from the Sermon on the Mount were all those things he just finished saying. So when we pick up in Luke chapter 7, verse 1, it says, When Jesus had finished saying all these things in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion servant who his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, 
asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly. This man, this man deserves you to do this. Because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve you to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word. I like that. Just say the word. And my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house, and they found the servant well. God, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus, who <laughs> he is, who you are, Jesus, and all you can do. And Lord, I thank you for this example of faith that came from somewhere where uh, the church at that time definitely wouldn't have expected it. A Gentile Roman soldier? But Lord, I thank you for the work that you're doing in the hearts of people <laughs> that we would never expect you to do work in. And I thank you for the time we have together to be in your word this morning. Thank you for the time and song. Thank you for just being together, Lord. Even though it's different, it's so good. And the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bless the message. Bless your word as it's preached. And bless your servant here as I, I preach it. And God, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Only two times in Scripture do we see that Jesus was amazed. The Greek word used is athalmosin. And only twice do we find that word athalmosin in the New Testament. First, we see it in Mark. Mark chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, turn there. In verses 1 through 6, we see... Ethalmosin for the first time, but not in a good way. Jesus just healed a dead girl, brought her back to life. Just healed a woman who'd been sick with bleeding. We pick up in, in, in Mark chapter 6, and it says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown. And he was accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. 
Different word. We'll get, how, we'll get to Jesus' amaze later on here. I mean, it might be the same in the Greek. I'm not reading from the Greek. I'm not that smart. But we'll get to the, 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 the other time Jesus was and later here. Many who heard Jesus were amazed. When, where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him that he does even these miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And then they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there. And you know why that is, right? Lack of faith. Verse verse 5. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. That's not what we want Jesus to be amazed about. (laughs) That's the first time we see that word. The next time we see it, yep, you guessed it. Luke chapter 7. The faith of a centurion made a powerful positive impact on Jesus. Think about that a second. Someone impressed Jesus. In fact, Jesus commended the man in front of everybody else and said, In all of Israel, I've never seen such great faith. Jesus was amazed in a great way because of the centurion's great faith. And we learn about that kind of faith that amazes Jesus by spending a few minutes here in Luke chapter 7. First thing we see is this. Great faith cares deeply for people. If you go back to Luke chapter 7 and verse 2, we see that there was a centurion servant whom his master valued highly that was sick and about to die. I'm going back to the Greek. Epitimos is the word that is used there when it says this servant is highly valued. Now I'm guessing most everyone here has wrote a letter at one point in your life. And maybe if you haven't wrote a letter, you wrote an email. How do we start most letters? Dear so-and-so. And the word etymos used there in the Greek is like that word dear, but deeper. It means greatly valued esteemed, loved, precious. This servant was precious to his master. His master highly valued him. And that was kind of strange back in those days, because you know what? Slaves or servants, well, they were all second, third class were thought of as expendable or replaceable, or some even might deem them the least of these. 
But how did the centurion feel about this this person made in the image of God who the rest of society probably thought was worthless? This centurion loved him. And we know love meant something to Jesus, huh? I remember in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, that's where we get the greatest commandment. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's quoting Deuteronomy. And then what's the second after the first? Love your neighbor. And then you you skip over to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Twice Jesus said, I give you this command. He gave it twice, once in verse 12 and then again in verse 17. What was his command? Love one another. Where did the centurion's request come from? The love he had for his dear servant. For his fellow man. To be politically correct, his fellow human being. spend time in that and it makes me ask well how do I love (laughs) how can I let someone in my life know they're dear to me that they're precious to me who that's precious to me can I pray for and lay and bring to Jesus lay before his feet because that's what great faith does great faith cares deeply for people. Not only that, great faith is humble. We see humility all through verses 3 through 7. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him. I like this too. I think it's interesting. You know what Jews are? They're not Gentiles, and Gentiles are not Jews. So there's some kind of relationship building happening here between people who are different from one another. And this centurion has built some kind of trust with the Jews. Some social equity. They love this man. They say, Jesus, you've got to help this servant out because this man, he's on our team. He helped us build the synagogue. You've got to go help him. So Jesus went. Now you might say, oh, it's customary in those days for people to to send servants, have them do their work, or, you know, that's just what a soldier would do, especially somebody higher up in the ranks. They wouldn't go themselves. But then listen to, to the humility of the centurion in verses 6 through 7. Oh, even verse 8. Jesus went with them, and he was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him. Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. You see the humility there? That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. Do you see the humility there? I don't think it was coincidence this week. I came across something in a book I was reading by a guy named Jimmy Dodd. 
And he talked about how when we go deeper in our faith and further in our walk with Christ and become more and more like Him, we become less and less. And we see that actually happen to Paul. Of course, when we first meet Paul, he's a terrorist. Then he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then we know he is the Apostle Paul. And rightly so. And the first letter he wrote comes to the church in Galatia. He wrote it in A.D. 50, A.D. 51. And when he introduces himself, and, and hey, if you want to follow me along, it's a fun journey to take. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, he says, introduces himself, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Christ and God the Father. Paul, an apostle. Hey, fast forward six years. Fast forward to, to Corinthians. And actually, when we fast forward to Corinthians, we have to go backwards. Because it comes before Galatians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is six years after his first letter. He says this in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 15. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. We're starting to see a change in Paul, aren't we? But wait a second, he's, he's grown to be more like Christ. But he sees himself as, well, in more humility, huh? We're not done with Paul's journey yet. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Now we're going, now we're fast forwarding. This is another six or seven years. Chapter 3, listen to verses 7 through 9. Remember, he started out as an apostle in A.D. 50. Then about five, six years later, he's the least of the apostles. Six or seven years later, when he's writing to the church in Ephesus, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than all the least of all God's people. Less than the least. Are you seeing? It's a spiritual progression. It's not a progression like we have in our world where I started out as, as a, you know, I shovel fries. No, no, you know what I do next? I'm assistant manager. Not assistant to the manager. Assistant manager. Then I'm the manager. Then I'm the corporate you see how our walk with Jesus is different? It's counterculture, different than the world. Where does Paul end up? Well, let's go to 1 Timothy. Paul's near the end of his life. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'd like to read to you from verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that He considered me faithful appointing me to His service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, 
along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. None of that came from himself, did it? Who did it all come from? Christ Jesus. Here it is, verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. From apostle to less than an apostle, to a servant, to the least of the least, to the worst of sinners. But verse 16, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might be displayed as well as His unlimited patience as an example to those who would believe on Him and receive eternal life. Do you see what Paul's saying? The less and less and less there is of me, the more, the more, the more, the more of who is there? And then what happens when there's more and more and more of Him? He is not ineffective in reaching people through us. In His mercy, He'll bring others along to faith and love in Christ Jesus. Kind of ties right in well with the third and final point of this morning's message. Remember, great faith cares deeply for others. Not only that, great faith is humble. And great faith is centered on Christ. We saw that in verses 3 through 8. I mean, who... You see in verses 1 through 10. All of this account of the centurion's faith. Who did he know he had to get a hold of? Whose word did he trust? Jesus. Give me Jesus. My servant needs Jesus. From verse 2 and 3, we see his faith and... Man, it's hard to preach a sermon and not go to the faith chapter. It's hard not to go to Hebrews chapter 11. That's why I'm going to Hebrews chapter 11. And I want us to see verse 6 this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And you could say the centurion was pretty earnest, huh? He knew the connections. Hey, Jews that I have a relationship with, would you please go find this guy, Jesus, and bring Him here to heal my servant? And he had, to, he, had, he had to have faith or somehow know that Jesus was on the way or he wouldn't have sent another servant to say, hey, you don't need to come, just say the word.
He was a soldier. He knew something about authority. And he acknowledged and trusted the authority of Jesus. And who else, and under what other power could someone be doing what Jesus was doing? He truly believed in Jesus' authority and sovereignty. What else made the centurion's faith different than other believers? It was clearly different because Jesus said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this even in Israel. So what made the centurion's faith different? He knew. He believed, like the old preachers used to say, beyond a shadow of a doubt. He truly believed who Jesus was and what He can do. So much so that He believed the Word of Christ was all He needed. Hey, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. (laughs) So He just said, say the Word, Jesus. He was certain and He was sure. makes me wonder who or what do I allow in my life to have authority or what power do I trust who do I put my trust in the founders knew what they were doing what did we stamp on our coins Americans and God we trust We can take Him at His word. Amazing faith. Great faith. It cares deeply for others. It's humble. And it's centered on Jesus. And Father, I do thank You for Jesus. The perfect life He lived, the perfect example He set for us, The perfect death He died on the cross. That death that we deserved. And Lord, we know He was buried. But we also know on the third day He rose again. And He ascended into heaven. And we know He lives because He lives in us. When we believe in Him. And Lord, I thank You for the relationship we can have with You through Your one and only Son. And Lord, I know that You're not slow in keeping Your promises, but You want everyone who would to come to repentance, to turn from their ways, and turn to You. So God, I pray for anyone here, anyone online, or anyone in our life that we know who might not know You or have a personal relationship with You, Jesus. May our faith make a difference in their lives. God, my prayer this morning is that You find us deeply caring for others, humbly serving You and serving others. May we be 
more like a centurion and less like a Pharisee in our walk. And God, may we always keep you the center of our lives. Help us when we go astray. May your spirit stay on us. May we respond to your conviction, Holy Spirit. May we just stay in step as we serve you and love others. Thank you for this time of worship together. May you bless us, keep us healthy and safe in our families. And God, I pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast is helpful to you, please rate us on iTunes or like our page, Springwater Church the Nazarene, on Facebook. Have a great day and Lord bless.